thank you for joining on uh, Dead Headspace. I am your host, Patrick R. McDonough, my co-host, Brendan LaFaro. Hello. And today we are joined by Jessica Guess. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Just so everyone is aware, you can find our show on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, amongst many others. To celebrate Cirque Berserk, did I announce that correctly? Oh yeah, that's the yeah, that's the title. <laughs> okay, so to kind of celebrate um, Jessica's uh, first debut novel, we, me and Brendan, are gonna each buy a paperback, and we're gonna do a giveaway through our um, review platform, Deadhead Reviews. The only way that you can actually be qualified is if you're paying attention through our Twitter account, which is at ReviewsHead. That is R-E-V-I-E-W-S-H-E-A-D. The day uh, this episode launches, June 25th, 2020, is when we will make our first uh, giveaway. A few days following that will be the second giveaway. What got you into horror? Uh, Well, I've been watching horror movies since... I don't know, as long as I could remember. Um, I've always loved uh, just, I guess, the feeling of being scared, which I know is really weird. (laughs) But I don't know. I like, it's almost like a challenge for me. Uh, Like, I remember when I was in fourth grade, I heard people, like my my classmates, talking about uh, Freddy Krueger. And I didn't know who that was. And when they were talking about him, they kept saying, oh, he's the scariest. Like, they just kept, like, hyping him up. And then not long after, I saw, like, there was a Freddy Krueger movie on TV, and it was the second one. Uh, oh. Yeah. That's <laughs> but, a good know, one. <laughs> yeah, like, I know people <laughs> people like to, to dump on it, but um, it was the second one, and I didn't really know the difference. I just saw, it said Freddy's Revenge or some, something like, I know Freddy was in the title, and so I was like, oh, this is the Freddy guy they're talking about. <laughs> so I watched it, and I wasn't scared. I was like, oh, this is actually really cool, and I went to school the next day, and I was like, I saw it, and it wasn't, he wasn't that bad. <laughs> like, and they kind of looked at me like I was weird. But after that, I kept thinking, okay, let me try and find something that scares me. And when I do, I feel like it's a win. Uh, if something does actually terrify me or scare me in some way. And even if I'm not scared, I still think of it as a win. Like, I don't know that I've ever seen a horror movie that I, well, no, I have seen some that I've hated. But it takes a lot for me to hate a horror movie. Um, speaking of the second one, because uh, I am a huge slasher fan, so mm-hmm. and I started... Started when I was 12, but I'm a 90s kid, so I was way late from the time they were actually theatrically released. And, um, Mm -hmm. Fred, I just took it at surface level because I started watching it when I was a teenager. And then it wasn't until I started going on the internet to look at like horror related topics where it seems like there's a, like most horror movies, there's a pretty deep message in the LGBTQ plus community with, uh, with number two in particular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was pretty interesting. Like you got the cliche built up math, toxic masculine rage from this gym teacher that mm-hmm. is a very encloseted uh, homosexual. And it's just the, the stuff that he pulls on his students to how he is um, handled by Freddie. I think it's it's interesting. Um, my particular favorite scene in that movie is where he just Freddy Krueger jumps out and um, 
he's at the pool party and mm-hmm. it, it, it just I, I was thinking when I was first watching I'm like okay that's fucking terrifying <laughs> that's scary yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure that's the one where this scene always like sticks in my head where like he like bites a girl's ankle or something like that and then later on there's like maggots on it yeah. Um and like that oh that I remember that scene has stuck with me for years. Um but yeah. <laughs> Alright, so um are you big into horror movies? Oh yeah. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. <laughs> Is it safe to say that slashers may be uh up your alley? absolutely um slashers are definitely they're they're like basically what i cut my teeth on i guess you'd say so like uh yeah they have a near and dear place in my heart who was your favorite if you had to pick one it's always a toss-up for me between freddie and michael myers um i i like freddie's personality more (laughs) just because he actually talks (laughs) and because he like you know he fucks with with his victims more he like you know plays on their fears more but i will say if it was actually scare factor uh, michael myers was the first slasher that actually terrified me uh when i was yeah yeah like i it's it was I remember the day like I was I was watching I think it was weirdly enough I know that people don't like the fourth and fifth one but uh they used to come on TV all the time and I watched mm. one uh and I was I remember I was doing my homework I was by myself like my mom was still at work doing a home doing my homework and the lights went out while I was watching it <laughs> and I said, oh, no, I literally ran across the street to my neighbor's house and I stayed with her until my mom came home because I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> like, he's in the house. I know he's in the house. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I particularly like four and five. Um, it's number. I love them. But my favorite one is uh, very much so probably everyone's least favorite who does like the series. Well, one of them is number six, my, uh, Curse of Michael Myers. And... Mm. Uh, I mean, come on, you got Paul Rudd in there, who's actually in a serious role for the first time I've ever... He was the first role that I saw him where he wasn't being silly, and I thought yeah. he did well. And Michael, yeah. I, I don't know, it was, just, it was a super-duper creepy movie. I know they cut a lot out, and they're supposed to be focused on, like, some cult, but... um. Is that the third one, or the... Which one is that one? Uh, that's number six. Number three didn't have Michael in it. Yeah, that's the one with the mask, the little kids in the the mask. Okay, yeah, yeah. I get them mixed up in my head sometimes. Yeah, and we yeah. actually were talking to Ken McKinley, who runs uh, Silver Shamrock um, Publishing, and uh, that's where that name came from. And the, on the logo, um, like in the television show, how mm-hmm. it's all like the black and white snowflakes on the old TVs, mm-hmm. that that's on his shit. If you look closely ever at a silver shamrock logo that's what is the pattern in the shamrock oh wow okay we didn't know that until we asked uh i got one more question and then we can jump back to uh your writing um black mirror i did see that you're a fan of that yes i I love that show did you happen to see uh the netflix special bandersnatch where it's choose your own adventure yes i did yeah what were your thoughts on that uh i like i liked it well enough but i don't know that okay i like the fact i like anything different right i like that they they did something different with that um and that they tried to make it more interactive because 
I sometimes wondered what is like the next step that people are going to do to try and make like entertainment like that more more interactive or whatnot but at the same time I do know that or this is at least what I've heard is that because of the way that they did Bandersnatch that's kind of why we didn't get uh too many episodes in the latest season oh and I don't know if that's true that's just I feel like I read that or I heard that somewhere and if that was the case I'm not sure if that was really worth it because uh this last season like it only had like three episodes and in my opinion, two of them were not that good. So, <laughs> Which one did you like? <laughs> I only liked the first one, Striking Vipers. Um, Remind me, what was that again? That's the one where the guy and his friend go into the video game and they become, I mean, oh. spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it yeah, just yeah. gets, it just goes from there. And I, I really liked it. I did like a, I did a, a piece on it or like a write-up of it for my website because I really, I really liked what it was trying, what I thought it was trying to say about um, black male sexuality and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I'm a straight white guy, so like I, I don't have a whole lot of room to, a whole lot of ground mm-hmm. to stand on as like personal knowledge. But I, I grew up with um, one of my first best friends as a child. He was, his parents were from Vietnam. Uh, mm-hmm. He was super flamboyant. Like it was so obvious he was gay. When they found out, it's super sad, but they, like, I don't know how many days, I was a little kid, but they made him sleep outside on his trampoline when they found out he wasn't straight, and even as a kid, I'm like, that's your kid, though. I don't yeah. get it. Yeah. It's sad. It's very sad. It is. Yeah. Um, sorry, I cut you off, I think. Oh, no, I was just, uh, I was just gonna say that, like, you know, I think that, I mean, almost over, almost every, uh, culture nowadays because of like the widespread of christianity and stuff like that just has like such a problem with with lgbt you know that kind of stuff but um it seems like especially when you're a person of color uh it just your your parents they kind of seem that they don't want you to be that because you already have so much going on and i think it's even worse for um i guess if i had to say i would think it's even worse for men and black men i feel like get it really badly because like there's there's this whole thing about oh you got to be a man like you it's like their masculinity has so there's like no room for anything and you know you're not supposed to cry you're not supposed to show your emotions or whatever so I don't know that's why I found that one so interesting was because I feel like it was kind of trying to loosen those constraints in a way for sure yeah and the whole thing about and I'm not I promise I won't preach long about this I just Mm. I I was raised Roman Catholic and mm-hmm. I, I'm not practicing anymore because like <laughs> look if some yeah. if a religion and I'm just gonna say for any of them tells you that this person can't be loved because they they love someone else be, for a different like race or sexuality mm-hmm. that's not love <laughs> that's not it's what I want to follow <laughs> it's not right yeah so um Brennan how about you hop in and uh, ask her the next question because i'm i'm kind of branching off too much i think oh no worries man so you know i i, I was sit, kicking back and you know just listening because you know I've, I've talked about it on the show before i'm not uh as well versed on on horror movies as patrick is so i'm sitting there you know a little bit lost in conversation but um 
I, I, I kind of like the tangent you with, that we just went on. Um, I, I went from being a little bit lost in the conversation to uh, sitting back here just, you know, pumping a fist in the air. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you go, man. Um, so, Jessica, we, we wanted to ask you about kind of your first, I guess, I, I guess I would go public endeavor, uh, the Black Girl's Guide to Horror. Tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about how that started. Um, so basically, uh, I was I was in an MFA program for creative writing, and uh, 2018, uh, May 2018 is when I graduated, and I had been looking for a job since January. Like, I was like, I was really trying to not come home to Florida. I was really trying to, you know, get a a jump start on everything and by that July it still wasn't going anywhere and so I needed like uh an outlet for just something else to to think about because like I I was th- that was literally where all of my energy was going by the summer especially was searching for a job and um I needed an outlet and then also I watched I rewatched the movie All the Boys Love Mandy Lane and if you, I tell everyone my love-hate relationship with this movie because it's a slasher movie. It's set in Texas, and I think it has a really great premise. It has, like, what could have potentially been an awesome horror movie. I felt like it could have been an awesome slasher with, like, the reveal at the end, but they drop the ball in so many ways that it pisses me off to know. Like, I, I rage about it all the time. And so I was like, I can't bore my friends again with this so let me write it down (laughs) and then um I just started writing about horror movies I love talking about them and so like after that I was like well I don't think that there's too many I don't I don't know of too many other uh sites that are you know talking from a black woman's perspective about horror movies about horror like TV, horror media in general. And because I do love horror, like, and I write in horror, I thought it would be a good place for me to just, you know, give my thoughts about things, my own analysis about things um, in that genre. And then sometimes I, I branch out, like, my last one wasn't about horror at all. It was about Superman. But, you know, just give my own analysis and my own take on things. Basically, it's, it's where I kind of, like, go and voice my own opinion about whatever media I'm consuming. There's so many, um, I, I dug into it a little bit, and there's so many interesting takes on the social commentary uh, behind horror, because let's face it, that's what horror is. I mean, the mm-hmm. best horror is so, you could even argue the best fiction is all social commentary, and right. it it can be very easy to uh, read it, to watch it, and to just digest it on such a, so, uh, a surface level. And it's kind of cool that you you from from what I read don't really do that. You're like we're we're gonna go deep, so you know grab on. Here we go. <laughs> um, and I and I love that. Um, I, I wanted to put out there, and if you don't want to talk about this, we can always cut it later. But you had mentioned that uh, you were thinking about starting a Patreon for uh, stuff along those lines. Um, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so basically this is literally an idea I I just got this morning. (laughs) Well, I've thought about it before, but I never actually put forth the effort because I was just like, oh, it's going to take time. But I'm thinking about 
well, I am going to start a, a Patreon within the next few weeks. And I kind of want to expand on what I'm doing with Black Girls Guide. But I don't want to just put that content there because I already do the analysis for free with the website. I think what I'm going to do with my Patreon is more so for... I mean, people who still want to hear my commentary, I'll do videos and like post about that. But I'll also talk about the horror genre, writing in the horror genre, and then also writing in general. Um, Because I think that there's some things that uh, would help some writers. Um, Like I've done lessons before. I'm also a teacher, by the way. I've done lessons before with, um, you know, things that can help in creative writing, like For instance, I have like one lesson, I'll give you like a preview here, but I have one that's called um, the zombie element and it's about how to raise tension in your uh, story, in your script, right? And it's based around the whole idea that a lot of times, most times, nine times out of 10, zombie movies aren't usually about the zombie or the zombies, they're about how people, like the, the, it's really people that are the villains in a lot of these movies, right? Um, and then, but the, the zombies are kind of what exasperate these people's um, villainous sides, right? So, and if you notice, I especially noticed this in 28 Days Later, every time the tension was low in that movie, a zombie would appear, right? It's, it happens in The Walking Dead, too. Like, every time, like, everything's all great and it seems like our heroes are, are fine, zombies appear and they attack. So um, I kind of took that idea and, like, put it, like, I started looking for it in other movies and other other shows, other stories and stuff like that and came up with this idea of a zombie element. Um, and I kind of, in one of my videos, I'm going to talk about how to create that and how to put that into any kind of story you're writing, whether it's a script whether it's horror, whether it's literary, whatever, to like raise the tension because sometimes that's a problem that people have about like keeping that tension uh, high. That's excellent. Um, and stuff like that is is really perfect, I think, for nowadays. Um, one of I'll give him a shout out. One of my favorite Patreons that I'm a part of is uh, Glenn Rolfs, and um, mm. he he'll release you know stories monthly, but um, kind of my go-to there I love the essays on writing and it sounds like you know you'd go uh more of a kind of interactive video format and I feel like as a rule we're almost getting maybe not getting past the point where we're gonna go out and buy an entire book on you know on writing um Mm -hmm. but just to get to, to be able to kind of pick and choose yeah, this is what I want to be able to do in my stories, and this is going to kind of pinpoint that. It's going to target that and give me some really, really great ideas. Um, I, mm-hmm. I think that's – it sounds to me like a great addition to um, – not even a di- an addition, but something to do in lieu of uh, Black Girl's Guide to Horror. Right, yeah, because that's, that's all the Patreon would be. It would be like, a, an ex- like I said, an expansion of that, but also um, – in addition to going like and analyzing media and whatnot, just helping people who want to be creative um, to be creative. Because I think my problem was before I went to the program that I went to, I had all of these ideas. I had so many ideas, but my biggest problem was I didn't know how to write a novel. I didn't know how to, like, I kept trying and I would get like, I would get like, so I would get like 
I don't know, 15,000 words or like 10,000 words. And then I'd be like, I have gone nowhere in this many words. Like I'm literally rambling. And so structure was my biggest thing that I, I needed to learn. Um, and it didn't matter how many books I read. Like they always say, oh, just read. And it's like, no, it's, it's actually harder than just reading. <laughs> like I personally needed someone to sit down and tell me, okay, this is how you structure it. I needed a formula. I needed like a way that I could see someone like plot something and actually make it come to something. So um, I feel like mine would be like a condensed version of that because not everyone has the time uh, and money to go to an MFA program. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, well, before we talk about Surf Berserk, mm-hmm. is there, did you write a lot of uh, novels, short stories? Was there a lot of trunk stories or not even necessarily trunk stories, just books that manuscripts that you have written before Surf Berserk? So, um, long form, I would say long form. This is only my second long form uh, thing, like completed uh, novel. And that's including my my MFA thesis, which is my first, like the first one that I actually started, drafted and revised and finished. Um, But I've written a lot more short stories. Uh, So I've written flash pieces. I do have a a publication in um, Luna Station Quarterly. And that one was like, uh, I mean, it's definitely horror, but it's more like literary horror, I guess you would say. Um, But, you know, that's about a girl in Jamaica who uses um, basically Obia, which is Jamaica's version of of voodoo, to like... uh, uh, handle a problem that she has. Mm. Um, so like, I, I'm, I've always been, I've been writing, you know, but usually it, it used to be more so short, whereas like lately I'm getting a lot more long form ideas. Uh, yeah. So, um, when you were in school compared to, uh, now, um, at, actually let me back up here. Uh, I guess <laughs> I got a question that should predate that one. Um, when did you join the horror community? I'll start with that. I think that Black Girls Guide to Horror kind of made me join the horror community. I didn't know that like there was I didn't know there was a horror community. You know? <laughs> I didn't know like social media is great in that way because like you you can just you, you know, you can type in a hashtag or hi- type in something and find all these great people. But um I kind of wasn't looking for it at first uh because I don't know. I I really have really great friends that even though they're not all into what I'm into, they listen to me rant and like, uh, like gush to them about things. I remember when I first saw The Descent, I called my best friend and told her the whole movie and why it was amazing. And we were like 15 and she just listened, you know, Um, (laughs) and she's just like, oh, yeah, sounds great. Like she should she does. She's a Freddy cat. She does not watch horror movies at all but they'll always listen to me you know and I I felt content doing that (laughs) but then when when I started Black Girls Guide like you know I I would go on and other other blogs started following me and I started following them and then like it started sent me it sent me down this rabbit hole and then when um I got Cirque Berserk published I got introduced to even more like horror writers and women horror writers and people of all like who are like in in various uh places in their 
in their journey in writing and writing horror or whatever. But um, that's kind of what got me into the horror community. Okay. Well, that's funny. I mean, that, that sounds like a similar story for most people, especially me and Brennan. Uh, I mean, I think Brennan joined like a year ago and Mm -hmm. I was kind of in it for like since 2013, but I didn't really dive in until like a year ago. Mm -hmm. And and that's when I became a reviewer and then everything blew up and then you keep diving deeper and deeper and this person knows that person who knows this awesome story, who knows this great book, who knows this great article and Right. It's just so, <laughs> it, it's amazing. It's a web of amazingness. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say so. <laughs> so the way that you approach writing but uh during your MFA program, has that changed? Have you had a a lot of different ways to approach writing or has your process perhaps changed after your MFA program since you've known uh, writers and maybe picked up some tips from writers? Uh, yeah, I think it definitely changed. Um, I, before I usually, I used to like be more of, you know how they talk about like pantsers versus plotters, like, you know, people who write by the seat of their pants versus people who plot out. Yep. I used to just like pants a little bit more. Like I would want to know cer- certain things, but I would could kind of just write and see where it take took me. And that used to be part of the problem is that I would write myself into these corners um, and like I would forget about character. I didn't write anything else down but the words on the paper, right? <laughs> like, like <laughs> so um, that's kind of why I used to get lost a lot. And when I when I um, went to the program, I just uh, I started to become a little bit more organized with things, right? I would I I definitely plot out, especially for a novel, for any any long form, I have to plot it out. Um, if it's short, I still do pants a little bit, but I, I still know where the, the story should go. But I don't feel a need to, like, write it out as much as I do for a novel. I feel for, like, longer form, you just, you have to know. It, there's so many moving parts, and it's such a big thing that you can't, for me, I can't. I can't just, like, let it all, you know, flow out in the wind. It'll get lost. I'll forget things. Um, even for Cirque Berserk, in the first in the very first draft, there was one character who I switched their name halfway through and didn't know and didn't even know until one of my readers was like, hey, what happened to this guy? And who's this guy? And I was like, oh, oops. Who were they? Uh, it was Kevin. I started calling him Kyle. <laughs> like, there's no Kyle in that there's book. There's no Kyle. <laughs> yes, okay, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just, yeah. <laughs> you know, I I love Stephen King. I, even, But the more I, like, find more non-white guys, <laughs> and I that just going to put it bluntly, Mm-hmm. more um diverse voices i find the more i'm like you know what he was my f-. it's like it so with me i've got best friends from certain stages of my life like my best friends right now are my forever best friends i met them in my 20s but i didn't know them until i was in my 20s my best mm-hmm. friends when i was a child like growing up i don't talk to any of them anymore for various reasons and my, i'm bringing this up because Stephen King was like my favorite ever, but then I learned about other better people, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and and uh, 
this <laughs> I'm getting a little off track. I was gonna say that like I've heard ways that um he uh just pantses everything, but yeah. like I I don't get it because like hearing everyone else talk and I've heard a lot of other writers talk. Um, sure you pants, but have you read a Stephen King book and how long it is? He, he, how does he keep that shit together? I have no idea. I mean, I I really like I like especially. I mean, I mean we all know like Stephen he used to have Stephen King, or uh, Stephen King he used to have like and are you know a drug problem or whatever and like yes. i know that he said that he would like write while like that i don't know how <laughs> like, i don't know how like i can't even be kind of tipsy while i'm i don't know how like have so you tried? i have i have <laughs> <laughs> it, it, i came i literally just started giggling and like well i was i wasn't i was, I was you know, I was like, but I I just started giggling and fell over and didn't and started eating brownies and didn't worry about writing anymore. <laughs> like oh, I didn't yes. even bother. Like you know, I didn't even go back to that. So that's not my method. So I don't know how I don't know how he does it honestly. But um, but yeah, I I don't know how because like his books are huge. Yeah. Like the sh- like his books are huge, and there's like I said so many moving parts i don't know how he does that but you know everyone has their method i've tried drink i've been drunk to try it and i've tried other brownie approaches and i just yeah. look i look at it i look at it the next day i'm like who's the crazy fucking drunk bastard that wrote this <laughs> <laughs> doesn't even make sense exactly exactly <laughs> so Cirque berserk um i self-admittedly tell you that i have not finished it i tried today i had my day off at work but i have mm-hmm. a kid i have a yeah. kid so i'm um, not complaining but i uh, i only got to 80 percent. but i love it i think it's great it's um i really do it's such a fun book it's really fun it's very gory and but that's i think what you were and i don't want to speak for you but as a reader that's how i took it that's the whole point it's just a fun slasher movie and there's mm-hmm. maybe there's more deeper meanings to it but i would like to know how it started um why you wrote it and how you got hooked up with uh eddie generous at the rewind or die series yeah so um like I said earlier, I love slashers. They are, and I, I think it's so great that my first, like my first kind of big, this is big for me, at least my first like publication that's out there. That's like big is like a slasher. I'm so happy about that because (laughs) I love them. Like I really do. I really do love slashers. And I love that I did, I did have, permission quote unquote to be fun with this um so basically what happened was that um uh last year last year um i watched the movie uh strangers pray at night right and it's the sequel to the strangers and that one is way more of a slasher than it is like a home invasion um and yeah it's really good but well, to me, I thought it was really good, especially the third act. So, like, the last, 
The third act of that movie, I think, is immaculate because they just go, they just start saying, we don't care anymore. We're going to do what we want. And like, they have amazing music in there and they have great colors. And it's like, and there's like homages to Carrie. There's like all this stuff. And I was just like, this is so fun. And I especially like the way that they use music in in the last part of that, um, because I also that's my other big um, love is music. And I I in my head, like I I love like pairing up music with like certain images and whatnot. So I went to bed that night and like as I was laying in bed, I just got a strange image in my head of a character doing something really, really bad to someone else in some roller skates while rhythm of the night played in the background and like it involves a baseball bat and that's all i'll say about that and i remember being so like captivated by the image that i was like oh i have to write about this and so i just started asking questions like okay why is this person in roller skates where are they why are they doing this to this person um you know, why do they have a baseball bat? And then, like, I started thinking more and more about it and, like, started writing down uh, the plot. And I was like, oh, my God, this would be a great... This is, I think this would be a great, like, long thing. I was like, this can't be a short. This is going to be long. And I was going to put off writing it because I was going to try and redo my thesis to, like, get it to be novel-ready or whatever. But then I saw... Uh, that Unnerving put out the call for submissions for <clears throat> um, the Rewind or Die series, right? And I read what they wanted. I read what Eddie wanted. And I was like, oh my God, this is exactly, this fits. Like it, like it's specifically set on their slasher. It's specifically set on their, you know, 80s, um, 90s kind of feel. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, okay, I've got to at least try. So... I once I got like 10,000 words out, I I submitted like the to the query and he was like, oh, yeah, when this is done, send it to me and, and you know, I'll see it. And if it's good, then then, yeah. And I was like, OK. And so I finished it in the summer. I finished it. I started June and finished it August and then sent it to him after like, you know, doing a little bit of revision. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, are you serious? <laughs> um and that's how that happened. Like I just, but, but in terms of like why that, why a slasher and why like all the gore, I love gore. <laughs> uh, some of my favorite movies have blood and gore and stuff like that. I hate when I watch a movie and I feel like, or like read a book or anything, but I hate when I'm watching or, or consuming some kind of media. And I feel as though the people who are writing or directing or doing whatever they're holding back on, uh, on like the the I don't know on the brutality or on the goriness or anything like that like I want to see it like if it's horror give it to me if this is the avenue that we can do give it to me like I, I I'm not like someone who um goes after uh what's that one genre the torture porn like I don't care for that but if it's a slasher I want to see blood <laughs> like I, I do um and I I also thought it was important to have um another element in there because I, I like you guys said like I usually look for deeper things in in horror movies and in all uh in all media but I wanted to also see a black girl have more of uh 
a role than just being someone's best friend, right? Um, Rachel True talked about that in the Horror Noir uh, documentary because, like, that was her role for, like, almost all of the 90s <clears throat> was to be, like, the white protagonist's best friend. And I named, you know, the character Rochelle after her character in The Craft. And um, I that's one trope that I've, like, has always gotten on my nerves because it's like, okay, yeah, we don't have a life. <laughs> We're literally just there because he needs a shoulder to cry on or whatever. Um, so I wanted there to be a black um, a black girl in there who, you know, has a main role and who has a deeper uh, connection than just being someone's best friend. And I also wanted there to be a love story because I also do like a little romance. So, and I, I haven't seen that too much in too many slashes. And I was like, I wonder if I could do both. So I did. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that. Uh, we had <clears throat> on Monday, we had uh, Violet Castro and Sonora Taylor on. And one of the uh, things that came up was talking about how, um, when when publishers, whether it's in anthology or calls for novels and novellas, um, don't get a lot of uh, different voices, whether it be women, um, people of color, anything like that, it's, um, I think it was Violet that said a lot of times that's because you don't see yourself represented there and you don't feel welcome. Um, so what what that led to was talking about uh, Eddie opening up Unnerving's call to um, just women at first, receiving a yeah. bit of backlash about that, but really sticking by his guns. And, um, and and I'll tell you, I've read every book in that series up to the ones that just came in the mail yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of them are those um, the the women who responded to the open call, and they're phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. they, they deserve to be there every bit. Doesn't matter that, you know, they came in earlier, they were accepted first. Um, could you speak to that a little bit, that open call? Yeah, um, I agree. And I, I love V and Sonora. Um, and I agree with them completely because if I did not see that he, he, lit, I think in the first, um, when he said he wanted like, he wanted a certain percentage. I remember he said he wanted a certain percentage to be from women. And if I didn't see that, I don't think that I would have felt encouraged to do it. Um, It's like, you you know, for so long, this, this genre has been very white, very, very male. um, And it, it feels sometimes like our stories don't want to be heard. Like there's no room for it. It feels like people are saying, um, what do you mean? Like, why, why do we need that? Or something like that. Even if they're not, even if no one's actually saying that from what you see, you know, the fact that I don't see too many, uh, black people in, in horror books or in horror, horror movies, you know, that wasn't what was pushed to me in my formative years, especially like I, I read almost every single RL Stein, um, book, like when I was a teenager, like I read the fear streets and stuff. And as much as I love them, there weren't, I don't think any like black characters in there. Right. Um, And I always remember wishing that there was, and it just feels like you're kind of not supposed to be there, you know? And um, when I saw that submission or when I saw that call 
And I think he specifically said he wanted women. And he, I think he said he wanted women of color. I, I want to say that's what it said. I don't remember. But I remember feeling like, okay, he'll at least give me a chance. He'll at least like hear me out. Whereas like, I don't feel that way sometimes when I see certain calls or something like that. It just feels like it already feels like a, a uh, like the door is shut kind of a thing. And I know that you're not supposed to self-reject, but writing is already difficult as I think any writer will tell you. And, and to like go through something and like to write, especially to write to a query and already feel like the door is kind of already not really that much open. It kind of just makes you feel defeated already, you know? So, um, I, like I said, I was so thankful that he did that. And I remember talking to him. Uh, I did, I did, uh, I was on his podcast and I remember talking to him before and he was like, yeah, he, he really wanted it to be, um, he said he wanted really a lot more women, <laughs> um, but he was like, he really wanted this to, to feel like something that was open uh, to women, to women of color. And he wanted it to feel like inclusive. Um, and I think he did a good job of that, you know? Yeah. And it's it's brilliant, too, because, you know, you just talked about um, you being able to tell Rochelle's story and making her the main character as opposed to just, you know, the best friend or something like that. So, I mean, in, in Cirque Berserk, like that's a story that only you could have told in the way it was told um, mm-hmm. with Violet Castro's Hairspray and Switchblades. Same thing. Um, mm-hmm. The. Uh, dependence on both, you know, Latin culture and, you know, the um, um, the strip club workers, uh, the way that was approached. Only she could have written that. Haley Piper's book in that series. Only Haley mm-hmm. could have written it exactly that way. And mm-hmm. with two of these showing up in my mailbox every month, like I, I need those different points of view. If it if they were all coming out about, you know, 17 year old white males. I'm going to be bored with this series by February, Um, whereas I know that I'm going to get all these different looks at these like kind of, you know, uh, B-movie novelizations. And it's Mm -hmm. it's, I've loved reading this series and I'm just so psyched that he's potentially going to continue it into next year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Like there's so there's so many different stories out there that can be told that need to be told. And and like you said, doesn't it get boring like to hear the same thing over and over and over again? Like no one's saying that we oh never read a white male writer again. No one's saying that, but it's like the table is big enough for everyone, you know, it, and it should feel like that, but it just doesn't, you know? And so like, I don't know, there should be more. I think that, I think that if more um, publishing places or whoever, if they really do want uh, more voices, more diverse voices and more inclusivity as they claim they do, they should probably be more upfront about like saying that, like, like actually putting that in their, in their calls for submission, actually like saying, yes, this is, and like showing it too. Like if you have, like, if I go on a website and I see that you already have black writers like that have published for you or that, you know, you have black literary agents or whoever, or Latino or whoever, like I, I feel more included, but if I go on that page and it's like a sea of white, I'm like, okay, they don't want me, you know? So, yeah. 
I can imagine that. You'd think, you know, why am I going to waste my time submitting to this? Because it looks like they're not going to give give me consideration. Um, and, and it would be disheartening. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's I, I want to hear all those stories. I want to see those multiple or I want to read those multiple points of view because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to read. Uh, you know, I, I read a great book just last month about a 14 year old uh White kid coming of age. Great book. But mm-hmm. I don't want to I, I don't want to put that book down and pick up another one just like that. And then another one just like it. You know, right. Um, I want to I want a d- diverse experience. Right. Um, right. Changing it up a little bit. I actually one of my one of my thoughts on and questions on Cirque Berserk. One thing I really remember loving about it was the way you did the time jumps. Um I can't stand when a book does time jumps and doesn't like make it clear, I guess, which, you know, where you get like two, three, four pages in and you're like, wait a minute, am I in the past or am I in the present? Um, And I've even read books that, you know, they put the year as the as the chapter header, but you still kind of you, you have to like flip back and be like, you know, checking that. Um, and, and I thought Cirque, Cirque Berserk did such a great job of um, jumping back and forth between those. So my original question was, you know, what what kind of inspiration did you take or what was your plan for that? But I guess my question kind of shifts gears to how exactly did you outline and plan all that? Um, so my my outline literally looked like the parts. So, you know, it's it's split up into parts and chapters and I literally said okay part one will be this and I kind of like tried to treat it like a five act play or whatever a five yeah five act play where like by here this should be happening by here this should be happening and then within those acts I split up the chapters and I was like okay if I want if I want that if I want the audience to feel sympathy for this character if I if I want them to know something about this character i'm gonna have to put this 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 uh 1989 uh chapter before this right so i kind of like i structured it into how do i want the the reader to feel what information do i want them to know i kind of just structured it by release of information how do i want them to feel about this person now versus you know in a couple chapters um and then also uh, big things that happen. Obviously, I wanted to put them a little bit further, further down. So like, um, uh, there's what like the one chapter where they do like a ritual. That one I knew had to be a little bit later. Um, just for just for that purpose, I wanted to kind of save that a little bit. Um, so that's kind of how I structured it. But also like, I know. I, I didn't think about it at the time, but now that I think back, I, I always forget that people, a lot of people hate flashbacks. <laughs> um, and I I forget because I love them. <laughs> and um, I don't know, I like flashbacks because if they're done well, they can be, they can be helpful, you know? They can help tell you why a character is the way that they are. And I think that's my, my thing is always like, why are you like this, you know, for a character? Why, why are you doing these things? Why do you feel this way? Why are you acting this way? Like, why do you feel you have to do this? And uh, I kind of wanted to answer those questions as I go. And I wanted there to be, I wanted the reader kind of to like have their allegiances kind of questioned and like, you know, not feel like they know, oh, this is exactly how this is going to go. That's what good writers do. Um, and 
And I think that for people that have the opinion that I don't like flashbacks, period, I don't think that that's a great uh, attitude because you are right off the bat without reading this book, for example, saying not for me when you haven't read it. And just to back up what you said, how am I going to know about these four characters Mm-hmm. when I don't see them in real time instead of like what are they going to do just talk about how they were like it would be it wouldn't, <laughs> that wouldn't add up you know yeah yeah exactly I think the flashbacks are what kind of save it from being obviously I wanted it to be a slasher and be like a traditional slasher but it saves it from being something you've seen before and it saves it from being stale like if they weren't there like it would just be a same run-of-the-mill thing and you wouldn't know why or when or how you know yeah and but by the way um let's see all my favorite slashers have flashbacks halloween Mm -hmm. um, the series Uh, i can't remember it's in the first one yeah it starts off with a flashback yeah yeah, it does (laughs) yeah okay (laughs) halloween Freddy Krueger, when we, mm-hmm. we see that he's a fucking pedophile, he's burned mm-hmm. alive. Which, by mm-hmm. the way, I wish we saw a scene of him being burned alive, like yeah. straight up. <laughs> I, I don't recall seeing a flashback of him being burned alive, but um, wasn't Candyman? I think Candyman has a flashback. Yeah, uh, I believe they do. Yeah, with him but, like writing or painting or something. Yeah. Yeah, and then in Hellraiser three, there's one of Pinhead, which I thought was pretty damn cool. So like. I want to know, I like characters that feel real. That's going to be my number one way of how I look at a book when I review it. Or if I'm just a reader, um, that's how I'm going to see if, hey, this is an author I want to pay attention to. Because no matter what you're writing about, even if, I'm not knocking the genre, but even if it's a romance if mm-hmm. you have if you have good character, then okay, I'm I'm interested. I'm I'm a guy. I'll, I'll flat out say this. I'm a man that loves gossip. I love TLC. Let me. <laughs> that's not a great example for good characterization. But let me see your good story. <laughs> yeah, I love. I look. I love TLC too. We're talking about the show, right? Like, yeah. or not the show, the the yeah. channel, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. 90 Day Fiance. Yes. Like, I, look, <laughs> I watch all of them. <laughs> My wife and I watch that shit every Sunday. It's it's just, I love it. Isn't but, it uh, ridiculous? Isn't it great? Like, they are insane on that show, <laughs> but I love it. That's why they're on TV. I, my wife reminds me of that all the time. And then there's that new one called Smothered with Moms that are creepily into being like super close to their daughter their grown-ass daughters oh i'm gonna watch that. i haven't heard about that but now okay that's going on my list <laughs> uh, just just one more thing on that smothered show is this uh, there's a scene in the trailer where um the daughter who's uh she just graduated to be i believe some kind of i could be wrong but some kind of officer and so she's like She's not a kid. Um, and her mom gives her showers. They shower together. <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I'm watching that. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, my God. It's you nuts. Know, th- I'm, you know, that and stuff like that, that'll inspire a story. Because I can see that turning to horror so quickly. Like, like what are you talking oh, sure. about? Shower? <laughs> yeah. And then there's shows like... Um, <laughs> 
what is it? Uh, my th- one thousand pound sisters, where one weighs six hundred, the other weighs. Yeah, 400. I watched that. Yeah, I watched that. They were funny. They were hilarious. Those two sisters. Oh, yeah, they were. And and here's the thing, like that. One of the best pieces of advice I hear my favorite writers say is, "Don't just read in your genre." And I take that to heart in life. Like, mm-hmm. keep your once. When I started really writing um, and reading, someone, a fellow reader, a friend of mine said, the best part is, like, after you start really reading and writing and you you look at life like that, you start noticing, at least with me, you start noticing details more and you think, like, hey, that's a good detail to remember for a story. Mm Mm-hmm. And just like the way... Just like the way the wind blows and someone's hair billows in the wind or, or something like that. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But, I completely agree. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I don't want to cut you off. Go ahead. You're the guest. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I was just saying I completely agree. Like I I've been reading so much horror lately that I actually decided to switch it up. And right now I'm reading uh, My Brilliant Friend um, by Elena Frente. And it's a show on HBO as well. And I watched the show and I loved it. But her language and like the the parts that they take from from the book and put in the show, like where there's a voiceover, I was like, the way this is written must be a beautiful. And from what I've read in the book so far, it really is. And I kept thinking while I was reading, I was like, wow, I don't write this beautifully. Part of it is like, <laughs> I don't think my genre allows me to right now. But I was like, I feel like there might be a way that I could write a beautiful horror like with language that is this this gorgeous and i was like that might be like i don't know a challenge for a later time where i'm when i'm better when i'm a better writer but it's in my head at least now (laughs) you know what i i if i can uh give you some unrequested a suggestion which um, i'm reading this book about i i like reading books on writing on the craft because like even if i'm at the point where i'm paid uh um a decent like a pro rate for books like you can still always learn like mm-hmm. um so i'm reading a series where it covers uh characters emotions revisions um the one i'm reading right now is strictly in dialogue and um it, it just uh reel me back where were we going with this oh uh i was talking about oh uh, fan- fantastic language yeah mm-hmm. okay Sorry, I had a lapse. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it was just saying that different genres cover different styles of uh, dialogue. And in they give an example from Lord of the Rings that fantasy covers um, different ways that you would speak. Like, you would not talk like this in our reality. So it got me thinking, like, well, yeah, that's true. So it's making me pick out how when I read different books. And, and that's basically coming to my suggestion which is why not a horror fantasy from you oh that'd be awesome oh wow I, yeah i want to read that like if you made if you built a world and then i mean whoever wants to steal this just make it be a good story but if you built a world of a fantasy world like what game of thrones whatever what if there was a smaller isolated story where there's a serial killer mm, yeah I, and based oh my God, on, yeah. Based on your book, I'd want to read that. I mean, I, I'm I'm almost done. I'm gonna finish it tomorrow, but <laughs> um, that's why I that's my very long way of saying that's why I like your flashbacks uh, because it focused more. It was heavily uh, focused on dialogue, which 
from that book taught me that's the best way to explain stuff. You didn't have a lot of sections of narration on like describing everything or they were this reason. So that's my argument why you have good flashbacks and you wove it in well and you play like everything was just like a place very well. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And um, if your book was a movie, I think that uh, Whitney Houston bats would definitely sell well during Halloween. <laughs> I think that would be awesome. Oh, my God. <laughs> like that guy from The Walking Dead, uh, Ni- Nig- Nigel? Was that oh, name? yeah. Uh, he, yeah, uh, he Negan. has Lucille. No, Negan. 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 He has Lucille. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, like, he's cool. I forget the actor's name, but, like, I'm a fan oh, of that guy. Oh, it's like Jeffrey Dean Morgan. That's yeah. Mhm. I mean, he's awesome, but like, if you in this book, because like slashers are so much fun. To, it's hard to fuck them up. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, this could be me and Brendan often talk to uh, authors about what if your book was uh, a movie. Um, so I'm gonna ask you that if this was turned into a film, do you have anyone in particular? Would you wanna? Um, just because we were talking about it, and I apologize if this is like a weird or insensitive way to ask, but would you prefer having it mainly be an all-black cast, or would you have it be the re- reverse roles and have it just be the the white friend whose shoulders leaned on? <laughs> um, so I wouldn't have it be an all-black cast because there's certain parts in there that at least a couple of characters do need to be white um, for it to work. But I mean, Rochelle would have to stay black. Like if anyone were to come and like, even if they were like offering me a huge deal and like, yeah, but what if she's white? I'm like, okay, bye. (laughs) I'm taking my stuff and I'm going, you are not changing her. (laughs) So she's, she's going to stay white or she's going to stay black. Um, And then Danny, uh, I, I really want Danny to stay um, Native American because he is, uh, and I, I thought of him that way while I was writing it. Um, and his backstory, it's 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 kind of important to his backstory as well. Um, so I want that to stay that. So those two characters need to stay, stay like that. Um, but everyone else like i really don't like everyone else you can play with <laughs> but but yeah those two characters especially need to stay who and who and what they are i really like that i love how he's native american um i need that to start getting in my brain more because like there are super repressed people still too so like why aren't we talking they're part of the marginalized voices but i just i maybe it's where i look for information but i don't hear enough about them Mhm. I you know that's always been something in my head. Like ever since high school, I like when I don't remember what I think we were reading about Andrew Jackson and about like his terror oh, reign of terror yeah. on them. And I remember thinking I've never met a Native American person and I don't see their stories that much. And my mom is a big western fan. She loves John Wayne. And I remember like one day I was just watching it with her around that time and I was like I know they would not be happy about this. <laughs> like about how they're being portrayed in these things and like I, I will say when I went to I, I did my program in Minnesota and I met more indigenous people up there um, 
specifically from the Lakota tribe, uh, just a few, but, you know, but I met more people there and I learned more there. And especially when the whole thing was going on with uh, Standing Rock Mm. um, and stuff like that. So uh, that's always been another thing like, oh, the like this place is theirs like why don't we hear more from them like like it's not and it's not that they're not trying it's just that i feel like like us all their voices have been pushed to the side so much and like suppressed and yeah yeah it's you kind of have to look harder for them Uh, absolutely uh andrew jackson maybe i'm wording this wrong uh but he's one of the most interesting presidents to me but I don't say that like with a smile. Um, he's very, uh, very. Uh, he's, got a, he's got a duality to him. Yeah, like yeah, like horrible. But like, yeah, I mean, I know. I don't remember what I learned about him. I know there was something about banks. He didn't like like monopolies or something, or he did. Like he, I don't remember who I'm thinking about. But there was something good he did with like blockbusting or something like that but then there was also you know trail of tears and <laughs> like all this other stuff that he was just a horrible villain for a very long time so yeah the trail of Te- tears because of him moving indians throughout the country to oklahoma i think it was him yeah. that he directly was responsible for thousands of them dying on the way there um yeah he was the second George Washington in many eyes because uh, the British tried to invade us in the War of 1812, and they were they had the North in Canada in the Mississippi River, and he he was the one that stopped um, the British from coming up the south of the Mississippi River. He prevented uh, them from coming up by blockade, and because of that, they did not have uh, the British did not have the means to like you know further take over America. Um, I mean, so I, I think that's good. I don't know what the world would be like now without it. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, sure, yeah. And yeah. and he, he also got uh, – he won us Florida by basically probably being super brutal and violent. And he would have <laughs> got – he would have got Cuba too, but uh, he was so war-weathered uh, by that point that he was just game over for him as far as leading the men to uh, – taking over new areas but he he was a psycho last thing i'll say about that is uh <laughs> he liked dueling people and at that point it was kind of an old fad and uh he he, he told this one dude when they were dueling he said you shoot first the guy shot him in his chest he he didn't make a much of a reaction aimed and shot him in the head and it's, he's just a he's a fucking lunatic yeah yeah he's yeah that's yeah he's so that sounds like some sociopath uh yeah i'm just so i'm interested what like if we had social media back then what what kind of shit would be revealed of guys like that or, or what would happen to them oh it'd be it'd be a shit show It'd be a shit show. <laughs> like, I mean, they, I honestly, a lot of these people, in terms of like their their social their social uh, etiquette, would probably wouldn't be that different from who we have in office right now. Like, they probably were <laughs> yeah. more educated and they probably would say it more eloquently. But a lot of their politics would like would be the same. Like Thomas Jefferson is. A horrible, horrible fucking person. Like, it's like horrible. Like, 
yeah but you know that's not what we're taught about them and so like you get this idea in your head when you're learning this revisionist history about oh they got us you know louisiana purchase and da, da, da. but it's like no he also was a rapist and you know had slaves that he mistreated and you know raped and all this kind of stuff and fathered however many children with her and like then her brother i read about her brother recently where apparently even him he ended up killing himself because like thomas jefferson sent him to to france to learn culinary because thomas jefferson loved france and like french food so he sent his slave sally hemming's brother to france to learn specifically how to to cook like culinary like french culinary french cuisine i should say and he went there and like he was living a little bit better and then he came back and he was a slave again and he couldn't take it and he ended up killing himself. Jesus and Christ. yeah, and it's like, wow, don't learn about that when we're learning no. about the Louisiana Purchase. Yeah, I mean, how the fuck do you think we got that country? We brutally mm-hmm. killed a bunch of natives that were there for mm-hmm. like, I don't know, thousands and thousands of years. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I hate to say this, but I only know of one author. It's Stephen Graham Jones that's a Native American. And, uh, mm-hmm. he, I mean, he's clearly well-loved, but there should be more. And there's so so many different tribes. So there's so many different mm-hmm. – there's so many different um, beliefs that they have. Like the Wampanoags, for me and uh, Brennan, they uh, they were part of um, the tribes in Massachusetts. The areas that mean Liverpool. Mm-hmm. You got King Philip's War, which is um, that was pretty rough, where they ended up killing a lot of their people. But there's this one, there's this one massive swamp called um, uh, Hockamock Swamp, where um, it used to be referred to as the, I think it was a swamp of evil spirits. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I don't know, it's it's just got all interesting history that I would love to see turned into horror stories. Yeah, yeah, and I will agree that for specifically for the horror genre, I think that Stephen Graham Jones is the only native author that I know of. I'm sure that there are more that I don't know, but for other genres, I know uh, Joy Harjo. She's a poet, and she also writes memoir and stuff like that, and I really love her stuff. Oh, and you know what? Susan Power, she's Lakota, and I actually met her, and she's great. I guess some of her writing could be considered horror a little bit. Um no, yeah, it definitely could. So the uh, she has one called uh, the Grass Dancer. Um, so yeah, Susan Power is another person who, who who's a great uh, Native writer. Oh, okay. Um, you know what? I kind of touched on this a little bit, but do you happen to have any advice for uh, aspiring or newer writers, particularly uh, for any marginalized voices? Um don't be discouraged by the things that you see or by like how, um, how it may seem right now. Like things are getting better, I think right now. And I want to say, write what you want to write, not what you think will get published, not what you think, uh, will make your community proud of you. Not what you think, uh, will, I don't know, sell, write exactly what you want to write, how you want to write it and put the people that you want to put in there. Um, and don't be afraid to be different and be unique. And yes, it's going to, yes, you'll sometimes get discouraged from like people who don't get it. Um, but just keep going, just keep going and keep trying. 
that's that's literally all I have. I love that advice too, and I mean it's uh, just the whole idea of write the story that you want to tell or that you want to read because it's that's what's going to come out in your voice if you try to. Uh, change it around to be something that a big publisher is going to want to buy. It's not going to be, it's not going to be original. It's not going to be your voice. It's not going to be your story. And even if it, you know, were to go to the distance, it's not something you're ultimately going to be proud of. Right. Um, Just those right back to our rewinder die chat. It's that, you know, that your point of view is unique. Um, You know, any, aspiring author author your point of view is unique you have not had the exact same set of experiences as anyone else and only you can tell your story right right that's exactly right so uh jessica i'm i'm curious now i uh, you mentioned that you are a teacher and uh i also am a teacher i do uh kindergarten through fifth grade music so i am genuinely curious uh do your students know about, you know, your horror writing? Um, I, my last crop, I did tell them, I think my last two crops of students. So like, uh, this last spring semester. And I think the semester before that, because I got published. Right. And I was just too excited. I was like, yeah, I have a horror book out. And like, <laughs> um, I saw like some of the looks on their faces. They looked horrified by that. So they didn't even know. They didn't know what kind of horror it was. They were just like, "What? You write what?" And like, I don't know. I think it's because um, I think when people first meet me, I'm very. I've heard people call me sweet, but I don't consider myself sweet. It's because I don't know the real me, but whatever. But my teacher face, <laughs> my teacher face, I do try to seem nice until I'm grading. Um, and <laughs> I think they just were surprised by that. And I guess they also, I don't know, maybe they think of horror writers as like mean or like, you know, scary or something. And I don't really present that way. So uh, they were just really shocked. <laughs> Is it high school level for the most part? No. So I teach, I was an adjunct professor uh, at a university in Miami uh, for two years. Mm -hmm. And now I'm going to be teaching at another university in Miami full time. Uh, So I basically teach uh, usually college freshmen uh, because I teach um, English composition. Mm -hmm. Um, The different, there's two different versions and I teach both, both of them. So, yeah. Yeah, that, okay, I can see that. I mean, it probably would go over a whole lot better than me telling a class full of five-year-olds that I just, you know, <laughs> oh, got, yeah. a, got, got a story published where, you know, someone's head get, gets ripped off. They, would be, yeah. they wouldn't like that. Parents no. would probably be even more pissed. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> what if there was one kid in the class that was like, tell me more? Yeah. yeah. Where can I buy this? <laughs> I'm glad you asked, Jonathan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent, though. Um, so you 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 had, you know, a lot of them surprised any anybody who you think will go out and uh, grab a copy of Cirque Berserk? Oh no, not my, not my students. (laughs) No, most of them, yeah, most of them like didn't even want to read the assigned readings um, (laughs) that I tried to make interesting. Um, Maybe there's one student who would, because she was interested in creative writing and she was interested in, uh, uh, but she was more so like going the romance route, I think. Um, But 
I don't know, maybe, but if it's not her, then yeah, no, none of them. <laughs> I got I got a question for the two of you pertaining to writers and uh and teachers. Um, so like I I really love the Lord of the Rings series and all the other books that connect to Middle Earth, and I love biographies. So I've learned a lot about J.R. Tolkien. And uh, he was an old man when the trilogy came out, and he's still a professor. Um, I'm just curious, like he got so popular, like the book series. It seems it seems like it rivals with the popularity of the movie series, as far as how popular it's been. Um, mm-hmm. He needed an assistant to like help him with like the mail and all that stuff. So I'm I'm wondering for the two of you because Brenton's a writer as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Would you two rather be in a position where you know you're getting books published and you know it's fine, you're getting paid a fair amount, or would you rather be in a position where you're so famous that like it might be a little difficult to even plan your next few classes? Uh, with the fame one, am I also stupid rich? Huh. <laughs> I'm not sure, honestly. I'm not sure how much money he made. I'm sure he made a good amount. I don't know how much he made, though. I don't know if he's kept teaching because that's all he's ever done for decades, or if it's just that, like, he couldn't afford it. I'm not sure. I know that he was super famous when he was alive, though. Hmm. So, okay. So if it's that I actually have to keep teaching, keep it. No, I'm, I don't want, no, I don't want fame like that. I don't want fame at all. Really. I want money. That's what I want. <laughs> I want, I want, I want to keep publishing for the rest of my life and I want money. All right. That's it. Like I love writing. It's what I will do it. Even if I'm not like, if I don't get rich, I'll just keep doing it. Cause I love it. But ideally money, money <laughs> like i don't want the fame i want yeah <laughs> uh, patrick i'll give you the most like boring imagination free answer possible sure. i have pretty good health insurance um <laughs> <laughs> um truth be told though you know i i i get paid to go into a classroom or at least i used to go into classrooms um and play guitar and jump around with a, a bunch of like five to 10 year olds and act like an idiot. Um, <laughs> it, it could be worse. It absolutely could be worse. That's a pretty sweet gig. Okay. I appreciate I respect those answers. Um, I, I gotta go with you, Jessica. I wouldn't want to, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't want the fame, honestly, just like leave me the fuck alone. Let me write. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just talk to my assistant and, uh, maybe I'll never get back to you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, here's the thing. I can't speak for any other writer. For me, if I was in that position, just let me just let me keep writing my books. Don't ask for a fucking sequel. I'll tell you if I'm gonna write it. And let me just enjoy my time with my fellow writer friends at cons. And like if you want to talk, I'll sign your book. <laughs> so forewarning, apparently I'm a fucking dick, but like that's how I that's how I would see it. I mean, I don't blame you. Like, fame is, I don't know, I I just don't want that. Like, I, I want to be able to, like, go out and, and you know, be, not have to, like, I want to go out in my hair bonnet and not have to worry about being seen. You know what I mean? I don't want to, yeah. like, yeah, I just, but I want the money. Like, I, I don't mind, like, even now people are, like, you know, tagging me and stuff, and I, I don't mind that. Like, sure, I'd, I don't mind, but... But, like, to actually get to the point where you're recognizable? Oh, no. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I don't want that at all. 
like Eminem says it in, and this is the only guy I can think of on the top of my head. I'm, I love that guy, but like, as a rapper, <laughs> but uh, he he says it in one of his lyrics that he can't even go to a Kmart without being recognized. Like, come on, like fuck that. Yeah, yeah. When he's out and he's feeding his daughter. Yeah, I remember. And yeah. there, there's other authors that I've spoken with. Um, I'm not gonna name them because I I think that that'd be weird if they heard him. They're like, why the fuck did you bring me up in that? So I'll just leave it at that. But there's some authors where. Where there's people on Facebook that are fans of that author and they they seek out oh well you're cousins with this guy I like and I'll, I'll add a, a friend request your wife and your your oh. daughter who's a teenager and look if someone did that to me I would get pissed and tell them to fuck off forever oh yeah definitely oh no like, that's and I'm not talking about like super duper famous people like they're good authors mm-hmm but they're but, they're in the indie horror community like us. Wow. See, yeah, that's too much. That's too much. No. I don't. You do always card. have to uh, account for the weirdos. You know, we've talked about this before, but I don't even put pictures of my kids up on Twitter with my little platform. Um, and, and you know, magnify that and you know, forget about it. There's just there's, there's a lot of weirdos out there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And the funny part is, is you think that a lot of uh, we get the perception from other people that our writers are the weirdos when when they aren't. We're very uh, we're a loving tribe. We yeah. are. Yeah. It's yeah. everybody else that that's, you know, wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and if one of the people try to come into our tribe and our dicks, we're going to, you know, throw them off the island and swim with the sharks. <laughs> um, so let's get back to you, Jessica, on your writing uh, music. You said that you're a big fan of it. Do you, you do you listen to music while you write? Yes, yes, I do. Um, not all the time, but especially if I want to get in the zone with something, I do. So with Cert Berserk, I had a playlist of the music that was featured in there, but also of other 80s songs to get me. I was like, especially for those flashbacks. Okay. Think 80s. And like, I would just listen to a lot of synth, a lot of like, you know, stuff like that um, to help me get in that vibe. But usually I don't listen to music with lyrics. Um, That was the only time I've ever done that. Usually I listen to scores. Um, So like, the big one I, I used to really listen to a lot was the Attack on Titan score. Oh, uh, wait, wait yeah. a minute. Can we talk about that show real quick? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Why is it that very fucking few people know about that show? It's so creepy and good. It's so good. It's so fucked up. It's so gory. It's so... Like, everything I love is an Attack on Titan. <laughs> um... Yeah, yeah. I think more people. I think sometimes people just have a thing against anime. Like if if some people don't like anime, um, so maybe that's why. But most anime fans have like at least heard of Attack on Titan. If they don't like anime, I say you're doing a disservice for yourself. You know what? How about do you feel comfortable enough describing the show to maybe lure in some fans? Because it needs more fans to get more seasons. <laughs> yeah. So Attack on Titan is basically the story of the the main character's name is Aaron. And him and his friends live in this village that is surrounded by these walls, right? And the reason they're surrounded by these walls is because outside of the walls, there are these huge, like, huge creatures called titans which they look extremely creepy they're they're basically like 
people, but they're extremely naked and they're always smiling for some reason. And if they get into the walls, they like to eat people. So there's a lot of destruction. And this happens in the first like few minutes, so it's not really a spoiler, but basically something happens to one of the walls and they get in. And so the rest of the the story is kind of uncovering what these Titans are, why they are the way they are, um, and how to fix this huge problem. That's perfect. Yeah. That's a lot better said than I would have. Uh, there is I so okay, so I saw all of season one. Um mm-hmm. I f- think it was I want to say Netflix, but I'm probably wrong. Um, season two, uh, Adult Swim, since it's through Adult Swim, they had season two, but it was only like a bunch of random episodes. And there was this one where um, the fighters, they're getting attacked. And then this one woman is getting like torn apart by these Titans and she screams out for her mom. And I'm just thinking, holy, that. Yeah. That, that made my skin crawl. It was so mm-hmm. creepy. Yeah, there's a few there's a few uh, scenes in there that are just just gut wrenching. <laughs> like, um, there's some inspirational scenes too, but yeah, there's some that are just horrific. Like the first episode, the the way I knew that this was a show for me was like once again not very spoilery, but the way that Aaron's mom dies, whoo. <laughs> like I was like that happened. I was like, you know what? This is my show. I'm gonna keep on watching. <laughs> and then the so, other yeah. cool thing is how they have the the real life, uh, real time um, movies. I've only I know there's two, but I've only seen the first one. Are you talking about the live action one, or are you talking about like the side the side anime ones? I'm talking about the live action one. Okay, I saw that. Yeah, I I thought it was good. It's just like basically everywhere you go, there's these giant naked things that are smiling <laughs> at you. Yeah. <laughs> and I tried picturing how that would play out if it were like in our reality, and I'm just thinking like, okay, sign me up for for a different simulation. <laughs> oh yeah, no, yeah. I saw like a, a it was like some question. It was like if you had to be in one reality, and like which one would it be? And it was like Attack on Titan, Walking Dead, or like what was the other one? Some other hellish one. And I was like, definitely not Attack on Titan. <laughs> <laughs> like that's a no. That's off the table right now. <laughs> so yeah, I, I just had to talk about that real quick because like I don't hear enough people talking about that. That's just a phenomenal show. Um, yeah. Any horror reader or fan should watch. Yeah, and the reason, kind of going back, but the reason why I I chose that score is because the score is as good as the show, and like especially if you're trying to write an epic scene, if you're trying to write fantasy at all, or like something with a battle, or something with someone like gearing up to do something great, uh, there's some songs on there I think that will get you in that headspace. I appreciate that because I, uh, even though I love that show, I never stopped and thought, "Hey, maybe I should listen to that while I write." Um, mm-hmm. I actually have a suggestion, and for someone, if you're interested, that he is—I uh, don't know how he words it, but he is a ambient um, musician or composer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all free. He has—I'm looking at his album list. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Wow. Okay, he's got 41, 42 free albums, and they. Oh, wow. they his name's Gimu. It's G I M U. Okay. Band, through Bandcamp, G I M U Gimu, and uh, I 
randomly found them because I needed more scores to listen to because I, I can't listen to vocals when I listen to music when I write too, but I just can't listen to vocals sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. Same. So I looked on Bandcamp for ambient musicians and he came up and his Twitter was private. So eventually I, I was like, dude, can you unlock it so we can talk? Yeah. And uh, he, he's just super nice guy. He's from South America and um, he's his music. It's just it's phenomenal. Some tracks are 12 minutes. The shortest ones I've seen are like three minutes. And uh, there's a lot of different tones. So I would recommend that. Uh, okay. And then The Last of Us is pretty good, too. Oh, yeah. I love I love video game music. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I was um, another score is the one from Alice Madness Returns. Um, oh, I'm ready yeah. right now. Yeah, that that one, especially if like you're writing something maybe Victorian or um, like Gothic, that'll definitely get you in that zone. And that game, like when that came out and I saw the back cover of it, I'm like, this is I like this. I love that game. (laughs) I've never actually I've never actually played it. Um, So good. You know what? I'll I'll ask. I didn't have this written down, but uh. Do you ever, or did you ever get into horror games? Yeah, so um, not that many, because it's crazy. The only thing that I am a chicken with is some of these horror games, because I tried to play Resident Evil, which one? The one where it's like, uh, it's like they're at, like, it's Biohazard. That's the one. Okay. And... I couldn't even get that far into that one, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was freaking me out. But um, but I've played Alice Madness Returns. I've played Little Horror or Little Nightmares. Um, I've played uh, there's another one that I can't remember because it's not mine. I played it at a friend's house. Um, but I played a few. Like I'm not a huge gamer, but but yeah, I've played a few. Have you heard of this one? And it came out for the PS2, I believe. There's, there's three of them. It's called Fair F E. It's spelled like a SWAT uh, team, where it's F dot E dot E dot A dot R. Oh, so okay, okay. No, I don't think. No, I don't think I played this one. Um, it's pretty neat. No. There's this um ghost character where she looks like Alma from uh from the Ring. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's just a whole story about where you're basically um, – I can't remember the plot. Fuck. <laughs> is it the one when they're, like, in a – it's, like, in a house and this like there's a painting upstairs or something like that? Because I played one that was like that, but I don't think it was mm, called this. No. Uh, but I'll tell you what. That game, when I first played it, it creeped me out when I saw her because she's not in it a whole lot. Mm, okay. Well, I'm writing that down. I have that. Good suggestions. Jess, we're uh, coming up on an hour and 30 minutes, and we don't want to keep you all night, but uh, there's a couple things that I definitely wanted to throw your way. So obviously, you know, movies are a huge, important horror-related medium for you. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot. What are your top three horror movies of all time? Okay, The Descent. Um, uh, What would number two be? I gotta say the original Nightmare on Elm Street and oh, last one. Halloween. 
Yeah, the original Halloween. Yeah. I am so impressed at how prepared you were for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got I got to say cuz I was trying to think but those like the descent will always be my number one cuz that was I think one of the first ones that just like it stayed with me, gave me nightmares and I and it all it had an all female cast and then the other two are just they're from my childhood so I have to. <laughs> like yeah. That's awesome. Now um there's so many people out there like uh Patrick and myself right now who are really looking to kind of expand what we're reading and um take on uh some different voices some so, some authors of of color some more women um trans lgbtq whatever we can get our hands on to get these different stories so I'm curious if you have some recommendations you'd like to throw out to the general audience of books that kind of fit that description. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, Horror or uh, otherwise? Uh, well, I have a friend. Her name, her writing name is Zen E. Rocklin. Uh, you can find her on Twitter. I don't know her at, but I can find it. But she just got a novella, not a novella, it's a short uh short story that's published with Tor and it's yeah yeah so I'm really proud of her and actually let me find her at right now so I can Zen E. Rockland where'd she come up with that name I have no idea (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but you can find her it's at Intelligent Twat Intelligent yeah, intelligent twat, I guess. Um, but sh- her story is called The Night Sun, and it's on tour, and it's also pinned in her in her pinned tweet. Uh, so th- there's her. Um, other horror... Uh, let me think if I can see any other horror writers before I go into anyone else. Um, Michelle Renee Lane has a book out now, and it's a vampire book. It's called Invisible Chains, and uh it has to do with slavery and i haven't gotten into it yet but i bought it and it's like right here and i'm looking at it right now and she's also a black female writer who else i mean i always talk about stephen graham jones because he's one of my favorite but i feel like most people know him if you're in if you're into yeah. her <laughs> yeah, he's like one of the top uh Top yeah. Office, uh, <laughs> yeah it, it's worth touting the uh book he has out in july though the only good indians it's a really good one yeah i've been trying to win an arc like on goodreads because <laughs> they give away and i can't win one but i mean i've already pre-ordered it so it's fine um but yeah so i mean i always talk about him my favorite book from him is uh the last final girl I think that's all right now for for that but yeah for other i'm trying to think of what i've read lately i read I mean, this isn't horror, but I just read White Rose by Kip Wilson, and that is a really good book. Uh, It is pretty sad, though. Uh, It's about uh, the White Rose resistance in Nazi Germany. Um, But yeah, yeah, those are I think those are all the suggestions I can give right now. (laughs) Also, Cirque Berserk by Jessica Guess is a great one. (laughs) Thank you. Um, so Violet Castro, she actually mentioned uh, your t- Stephen Graham Jones's title uh, of that book you mentioned reminded me of a story she told us is going to be in a collection note through Flame Tree Press next year, where it's called The Final Porn Star, and like I want to see that book. It's basically <laughs> or a story. I don't think it's that's not the whole book. It's basically um, it's saying, hey, all the final girls are pretty much white. Guess what? Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, yes. I love I love V. She's so awesome. She's awesome. Violet Castro is awesome. She is, and she's funny as hell, and we were really lucky, just like we are with you, to have her on our show because um, Brennan and I are very much so trying to get our hands on as many great stories from people that are marginalized voices because uh, they're fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're doing the right thing. <laughs> Um, and it's been far too long that we've really just kind of um, I'll speak for me, but I don't know, Patrick, if you want to chime in. But it's been far too long that we've just kind of looked at, well, this is a story I want to read um, and and I don't care about, you know, what sex, what gender, what uh, what color the author is. Um, and I, I don't feel like we're in a place where we can do that anymore, where we need to promote those voices because they do have a different, you know, we, we talked about all this with the Rewinder Die series. And again, a couple other times, you know, there are a lot of different stories. And if you only look to the same places to get your fiction, then you're going to get the same story over and over again. And there's just so much more out there. Exactly. Exactly. Expand your horizons. Uh, I would echo that. I mean, that's how that's how I felt. I, I didn't get it. And you know what? My eyes have been opened after call me call me a butthead for taking this long. I'm 31 years old now. But after the death of George Floyd, I mean, all this shit after mm-hmm. all the years of my wife teaching me certain stuff, too. It took me this long to realize, like, OK, well, that's not a good answer for what Brennan just said. Like, I didn't see the big deal, but the whole thing is that's white privilege in a nutshell. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I'm a little upset that it took me this long, but you know what? I'm still at the point where I got a young son that I can hopefully help him a little bit earlier than I learned. But um, moving on to one final question, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. What are you currently reading? Oh, right. So I actually just started um, My Brilliant Friend by Elena Frente. I got it like two days ago and I started it and it's really good. Uh, Like I said, it's not horror, but it's about these two girls in Italy, in Naples, Italy, in like the 1950s and they're basically from a very very poor uh, background to the point where like girls usually don't go past elementary school and they get their hands on little women and they read it and they decide that they are not going to stay in Naples that they're going to make it out some some kind of way and they're going to go to school as much as they possibly can and it's also about like female friendships and like love and uh you know surviving as a woman and getting what you want as a woman um in that time where like things are not you know a lot of things just were not available to you a lot of resources weren't available to you and the reason i'm reading it is because you know they talk about how like uh, like you can see yourself in different stories. Um, my my best friend, who I told you she doesn't really like horror that much, she actually is the one who recommended it to me because she kept telling me that she kept seeing me and her in the book. And That's um, cool. yeah, with these two like you know Italian women <laughs> from the <laughs> 1940s, uh, and like you know it kind and I already see what she's talking about in there because like we did come from very um, humble beginnings to put out 
put it lightly. <laughs> and we there were times that were very hard for us both, but we al- always kept telling each other that we were going to make it out. And now she's like a she works as a coder and she's making more money than I am, but you know, I'm getting there. I'm getting there, Monica. So, <laughs> but uh, you know, we basically made it out. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. I, um, I went to school. I got my associates in uh, computer electronics. Um, before I made a major move in my life from the England and I took one class uh, pertaining to coding and my teacher off the bat said if you want to pursue this you should plan on becoming a heavy drinker because <laughs> <laughs> he's like I'm not joking I do this for a living I'm telling you it's grueling but you will get paid a lot but plan on drinking a lot uh, that's and that's probably why like she doesn't drink but like she keeps eating cakes like <laughs> she keeps eating like, she calls me she's like I need to stop I can't fit oh in my pants <laughs> like and yeah yeah it's a lot but she's uh she's getting there though she's making her money that's so. awesome Brennan uh, what are you currently reading let me guess 20 books and you're done already <laughs> <laughs> he's a fast yeah, no, I finished I finished three while we've been talking in the last hour and a half so <laughs> I, I, I was I was laughing because you know as as anybody you know you're in Jersey uh, Jessica I think you're in Florida is that right yep yep yeah and I'm in Massachusetts but as anybody you know who knows the system knows the the specialists the art the music the gym teachers are not you know um always taken as seriously as the other uh teachers uh but so i i have 25 classes a week of music and five classes a week of uh technology which is basically teaching coding to first and second graders oh no Um, god no actually well okay yeah no it's that that's a very fair reaction um but i I mean at that point it's not you know what what we might what adults might think of as coding it's basically games where you're just kind of giving directions or they give you directions and you kind of have to sort them out as far as putting them in the right order and stuff like that um it's kind of cool though to me that they start that all the way in like kindergarten and first grade because that is definitely a skill that's going to be a whole lot more useful than, say, cursive uh, in 15 years when these kids are adults. So. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. As I'm, far as uh, what I'm reading, though, um, yeah. I just started uh, Hell's Bells by Lisa Quigley. That's book eight in the Rewinder Die series that came mm-hmm. in the mail yesterday. Uh, I'm reading The Gray Man of Smoke and Shadows by Todd Sullivan. Uh, he's an author who... I don't know if he was born in the United States, but he moved to the Far East to teach in um, in Korea, in one of the Koreas. And his uh, vampire books are uh, kind of fit the model for extreme horror, but they're also set in like, uh, I guess it's South Korea because they're set in Seoul. But they're, they're kind of a cool series. I'm on book two now. And then I'm also reading Let's Play White by uh, Chesha Burke, which... Uh, I think I mentioned that on Monday's show, but I'm, you know, three or four stories deeper now, and it's it's a collection. This is this is definitely one I'm going to be happy to recommend um, when I'm when I'm done with it. Oh, nice. It looks cool. Yeah, yeah, Patrick, you'd really like it. You should definitely uh, look into that at, at some point. Um, what are you, what are you reading? Anything different than last time we talked? Uh, I'm just finishing up Jessica's book, um, so I'll be done with that tonight or tomorrow. 
And I am diving into Robert Ford and Matt Hayward's Penny for Your Thoughts. Um, and that's why I'll leave it, because uh, for all I know, we're going to have a new guest uh, on in a week from now, and i got to read that book in four days <laughs> and not finish it. <laughs> but one thing I wanted to ask as far as cursive goes, is it just me, or, or is it like the hardest thing to read? Because my mom, whenever she writes a birthday card out for me, I'm like, okay. I say to my wife, can you fucking tell me what this says? I don't, I don't know. Do you know why? Um, because they don't teach it anymore. But do you know why we had to learn cursive in like third grade? I no. Didn't pay, I didn't pay attention in school, so I got uh, no I, idea. I won't pretend to be an expert on this, but it has to do with the fact that you used to have to dip your pen in the ink, and it was a way to write where you didn't have to lift your pen from the paper. So, I mean, as far oh. as outdated things in education, like, that's that's numero uno there. But, oh, no, they wow. don't teach it. Yeah, I learned it in third grade, and uh, I'll bet you guys probably did, too. Um, they don't teach it in third grade anymore. Yeah. Yeah, because we don't use a, a – what is it, a feather and quill or quill, yeah, quill not, and not ink? a quill, but, like, you know, the type of pen with uh, – I, I can't think of what it was would be called, but, like, I can picture the metal end of it. With, uh, like this kind of intricate like scythe almost design uh, that you would have to dip in the in the ink before you wrote. Yeah, just uh, text me that so I can understand it. Yeah, um, I can picture what you're talking about, but I don't know the name. Yeah, Jessica, where can people follow you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Um, it's at Jess I guess ninety. <laughs> um, I. And also, you can follow my blog Twitter, which I'm actually not on that one as much. I, I always need to remember to switch over, but it's at Black Girls without the I, so G R L S Horror. And also um, my website, BlackGirlsGuideToHorror.com. Awesome. Um, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. I appreciate your time. Oh, yeah, this is awesome. Thank you guys for having me. This is a great, great conversation. For sure. Our pleasure. And uh, any uh, any any people who are looking to promote their horror movies and want Jessica to dive into uh, the characters and the uh, social commentary on them, get the, get them to Jessica and she'll be happy to do it. Right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and maybe this is the perfect time to throw us out there because you and V kind of open my eyes with like, well, we look at who's in a building or she used the analogy of a bar um so far this is the 17th episode recorded i'd have to think harder but i'm pretty sure most of them are white that's not the look that we're trying to get we're not against white people but we do want to be we want to be very diverse because there are so many good stories in all corners of this world so if you feel like you fit that bill please reach out to us at reviews head R-E-V-I-E-W-S-H-E-A-D or follow me on Twitter as P-R-M-C-D-O-N-O-U-G-H or follow Brennan, which is... Oh, me? Oh, yeah, I don't remember it. it. Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, it's at what happens next, no T in next five. Um, I, I found out that I have the option to change it to at Brennan LaFaro, but I have so many places where it says it that I'm just, I'm, I'm, I haven't pulled the trigger yet. 
right. and, and and Jessica, thank you for putting up with uh, us us white boys trying to figure out <laughs> what the hell we can do to just try and make this world a slightly more tolerable place, which is exactly <laughs> what Patrick and I are you know working through right now. Well, I mean, I think you're on a, I think you have a good start here. <laughs> like, you know, listen to, <laughs> listen to black people, listen to people of color, you know, and be aware of your privilege, ah, privilege, and also, you know, teach your, teach your kids, you know, so, yeah. For sure. And if we ever need help, we got our great friend, Elena Vigliano, who's like, I, I refer to her as Lady Gandalf, because she's all wise, all knowing with everything, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> just a reminder to everyone if you do want to have a chance at winning uh one of two physical copies uh physical paperbacks i can't talk of cirque berserk uh make sure you follow along at reviews head on twitter we will announce the day that this this uh, episode airs june 25th uh later that afternoon to tell you how you can enter a few days after that on our blog at deadheadreviews.com, we will tell you how you can enter in the second one. You can only win one, one per household. <laughs> thank you, Jessica. We appreciate you uh, giving us your time. All right, thank you. Have a good one. You too, you too. Bye. We are in your mind.